are in week two now of a seven-week is kind of the plan for now. I think that's what it'll be, a seven-week series, just looking at our connection, or the connection between our work and our worship. Last week, if you weren't here last week, um, we're really kind of just continuing on with where we were headed last week, and that is, uh, as we go through um, this series, the idea is that we have a God who we believe to be worthy of worship beyond just a few hours during a week. So, so like showing up here on a Sunday morning, great thing to do, right? And spending some time, maybe in the morning, maybe at night, whenever you spend some time maybe reading the Bible and praying on your own, great thing to do. Maybe you're in a Bible study, maybe you're serving in a ministry, all great things to do, and God is worthy of our worship at those times, but we believe our God is so glorious that He is worthy of our constant worship. And so there's never a moment in our lives in which we ought not to be worshiping our great God. And so thinking about that and thinking about the fact that we spend 90,000 plus hours, and that's just a very, very general estimate, we spend a lot of time in our lives working. But one thing that we maybe don't think about a lot that I want us to think about more over the next seven weeks is how, what place does our work have in our worship? In what ways do we, at our work, seek to worship and make much of Jesus during the rest of those hours during the week when we're not gathered together with the church? And so that's what we're going to be looking at over the next seven weeks. Last week, we were in Genesis 1 and a little bit in Genesis 2. But in Genesis 1, we really focused on uh, verses 27 to 31, where we learned this. That first of all, in Genesis 1.1, we learned that God works. That's part of what God does. The very first verse of the Bible says, In the beginning, God created. So we have a God who works, and then we have a God who made all things for His glory, and on the sixth day, He made male and female in His image. And so, as people made in His image, God has also created us to work. In Genesis 2.15, we read this. It says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. God's intention was that His creation, part of His sustaining work in His creation, would be done by the people that He creates. That He made us to work. That's part of God's purpose in creating us. We ended by looking at verse 31 where we saw God step back and assess His work and enjoy it and say, this is very good. So we ought to also enjoy our work. And as I went through that, talking about last week, the fact that God created work, He created us to work, we ought to find some joy in our work. Some of you might have walked away thinking, well, Jeremy... That's great, but then there must be something wrong with me because I don't feel a great sense of purpose in my work, and I don't often enjoy my work, and I often don't think about my work being something that God has given me to do. I do my work because, fill in the blank, because I need to pay bills, or because somebody's got to do it, or because whatever. It's just what I've always done. You would say, Fine, that's okay if you want to tell me that work is good, which is the title of last week's message. 
But I would argue with you that work is also hard, Jeremy, and I would not argue back. I would say you're right. Work is good and work is hard. And so the two messages last week and this week really go together. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 3 today, and we're going to we're going to actually be in the last half. In the first half, what we would have missed is the understanding of why it is. Why is it that work becomes hard? We would read in the first verses of Genesis 3 that Adam and Eve, who were made in God's image to work for his glory, were disobedient. They really wanted to take the place of God. God gave them a command. They didn't obey it. And so their response was, I want to I wanna be God. I want to be my own king. I want to decide what's good for me. You told me not to eat of that fruit. I'd like to eat the fruit. I do what I want to do. Um, that was kind of their approach. And because of their disobedience, all things are affected, including our work. Everything, all, all parts of God's good creation affected by sin, including work. And so that's what we're going to look at today. So if you have your Bible with you, you can open up to Genesis chapter 3, verses 14 through 24. There's also in the bulletin, as usual, uh, an outline that might help you as you follow along, and then also some some notes about um, so, some ways that you could maybe dig a little bit deeper throughout the week into this passage and this idea of work being hard. So, go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 3, verses 14 to 24, and if you're able to, let's stand as we read God's Word. Genesis chapter 3, starting in verse 14. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. And to the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. You desire, your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. Till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. The man, the man called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand and talk also, take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man, and at the east of the garden of Eden he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. You see, this? So you see in your bulletin, again that outline, there are some blanks to fill in as we walk through this today. And... Uh, looking forward uh, to this because I, I want us to, to have a biblical understanding of work and we can't end with 
work is good, we also need to recognize and acknowledge that work is hard. We need to know why and in what ways is work hard. And so, thankfully, God's Word teaches us that here in Genesis chapter 3. First blank that you can fill in there right away is this. Work is painful. Work is painful. Look at verses 16 and 17. It talks about two different types of work. starts out in verse 16 by saying God is speaking to the woman, Eve, and he says to her, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing, and in pain you shall bring forth children. Okay? Um, this is part of the effect of Adam and Eve's sin, that this good thing that God had had commanded Adam and Eve to be about, to be about being fruitful and multiplying, there's pain that's associated with that now, from this point on. And so, uh, to, to some, for those, those one of the, the, the ways that this causes pain, uh, one of the ways that we see the effect of sin on God's command and design for us to be fruitful and multiply is that we deal with infertility. We deal with miscarriage and a number of other things that were not God's original intention for the relationship of a husband and a wife. So we experience those kinds of things, and then on top of those kinds of things, it's just those that are able to have children, there will be pain. I, I've not uh, personally, of course, experienced uh, this kind of pain, um, and any guy who tries to compare any pain they've felt to childbirth um, is probably... Uh, there's probably women around who want to slap him, right? Like, <laughs> whatever. Um, oh, really? That, I'm sure that really hurt when you're, you know, when you dislocated your uh, your knee. Um, that was nothing like childbirth, right? And so, um, so interestingly, uh, not only in English, but in other words, in other languages too, um, we use the word labor, work. That, that that's what happens. That's what we use that that period of childbirth. We call labor. It's it's work, and there is pain involved in it from this point on, from Genesis 3 on. And then, the last half of verse 16, we don't have a lot of time uh, to get into a lot of it. Um, kind of a, a confusing uh, last part of verse 16 where it says, your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. This is part of God's, God's kind of curse toward, toward the woman. Um, and we could spend a lot of time kind of going through all the different options um, in the end, kind of at its simplest form, what this is saying is that relationships between husband and wife are now strained as a result of the fall as well. And so not only does work become hard, not only does childbearing become hard, it also becomes hard to be married to each other. And all the married people say amen, right, sometimes, not today, but maybe a different day in your marriage, I'm sure, right? That, that marriage becomes hard, the relationship between male and female, between husband and and wife are challenging. It's a strain. It's also affected and that comes about because of the fall, because of Adam and Eve's disobedience and rebellion. But then verse 17, we hear more about the pain that is to come. Verse 17, and to Adam, God said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you in pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Remember, it was God's intention that Adam be working the ground. He was supposed to work the ground and keep it 
That's how they were going to live in this world. It was God's good plan that he would work. But now God is saying, as a result of the fall, in pain you shall eat of it all of the days of your life. Work is going to hurt now. Um, some of you maybe have a job where you actually come home physically sore um, from the job that you do. Workplace accidents are really pretty common. My grandpa uh, was a farmer, and this happened when he was in his 30s, so way before I was ever born. Uh, but my grandpa's hand got stuck in a corn picker, and so my when you would shake my grandpa's hand, it was a thumb and, and a large stump there that you would shake, and he had to learn to write with his left hand and, and all of that kind of thing. But that, that kind of thing is actually... Not, not just that, but other things as well. Workplace accidents are common. Work, there's pain that's associated with work. And then, verse 18, this is the next blank there. Verse 18, uh, the next blank is work is inefficient. Go ahead and look at verse 18. It says this, Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plant of the field. Okay, so there's, there's good in there. You're going to eat the plants of the field. That's still God's plan. That was his plan in the beginning, and even after the fall, it's still God's plan that we would, through our work, be able to grow food that we can eat. That's still part of God's plan, and you're going to, but it's going to come with a certain level of inefficiency now. There's going to be not just the, the, the fruit and the vegetables growing, there's also going to be thorns and thistles, right? Thorns and thistles cause our work to be inefficient. Right? Imagine, those of you who farm, how much time and money would be saved if you didn't have to spend any of it on fertilizers, pesticides, herbicides, all of those kinds of things that make our work more inefficient. And you don't have to be a farmer to know that work is often inefficient. Right? That, that there's so many times when we just recognize that, that I, I, I'm pretty sure I just put in a hard day's work and it looks like I accomplished nothing. Anybody ever have that experience? They're like, I just did something for a long period of time, but I'm not sure that I really did anything. It just looks like nothing happened. You have a long list of things that you want to get done during a day of work, and you get to the end of the day, and you've not even made it halfway through because things that you thought would take a short amount of time took a longer period of time. Work is sometimes frustratingly inefficient. We don't like that. Um, I'm guessing if you're, you know, a mom that, that stays at home, I mean, like you cook food and then it's all like, you spend all day doing it and then it's eaten within that much time and then you got to clean it all up and then you, you get the laundry done and you just get it put away and there's like a whole other pile that you got to work on. All these kinds of things, work just seems really, really inefficient sometimes. Well, maybe you're even in a job where you're just wondering, it kind of seems just meaningless overall. Like, I'm not even sure why I'm doing this. I'm not even sure. Like, I can see other people. They've got a job where they're, like, they're, they're contributing to society in some way. But my job feels like, what am I even doing? What, what, what's the purpose of all this? Look, I put in all this time, and I know I get a paycheck. But what, what's the purpose of this? And we want to find meaning in our work. And it's hard sometimes. Now, I, I read... Uh, in this book uh, by Timothy Keller called Every Good Endeavor, um, this quote, and, and I think maybe some of you would be able to relate, it says this, because a lot of us, we, we have kind of some dreams. Last week we showed 
the video of a number of kids saying, this is what I want to be when I grow up, right? People having a, a lot of different dreams, but, but a lot of times those dreams don't get realized, right? That, that I thought this is what I wanted to do, but I ended up, I'm just doing this. And, I, and I've been doing this maybe for a long time, and I'm wondering, is this what God really wants me to do with my life? Um, most people come to a point, maybe, maybe, maybe on a weekly basis you do that, but most people come to this point where they're sometimes thinking that. And, and I like this quote. You know what it says? Just because you cannot realize your highest aspirations and work does not mean you have chosen wrongly or are not called to your profession or that you should spend your life looking for the perfect career that is devoid of frustration. That would be a fruitless search for anyone. You should expect to be regularly frustrated in your work, even though you may be in exactly the right location. Just expect it. Like, well, that's encouraging. Thank you for that. Um, but it, it does help. If, you, if, you're, if you're looking, if your idea is that you're going to have just this job without any frustration, everything is just going to go well, and you're going to feel like, oh, I'm, I'm meaningfully contributing to society, and I'm doing it like, then, then you're going to be looking your whole life because you're not going to find the perfect career. But if you can expect that you're going to be frustrated quite often in your job, and it's the result of what we're seeing here in Genesis 3, the result of sin and the fall, and now work becomes not only painful, but also very inefficient. Some of you might want to put this up on your wall wherever you work. If you flip over it to the book of Ecclesiastes, also in the Old Testament, Psalms is the, is the big book kind of right in the middle, and then you got Proverbs after that, which is relatively big, and then Ecclesiastes is right after that. You can go to Ecclesiastes chapter 2, Ecclesiastes chapter 2. You don't go to like a Christian bookstore often and see this printed on a piece of artwork that you can hang in your office, but some of you might be like, I could put this up. Um, here's what it says, Ecclesiastes 2, starting in verse 18. Um, I hated all my toil in which I toil under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me. And who knows whether he will be wise or a fool, yet he will be master of all for which I toiled and use my wisdom under the sun. This also is vanity. So I turned about and gave my heart up to despair over all the toil of my labors under the sun. Because sometimes a person who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. This also is vanity and a great evil. What has a man from all the toil and strivings of heart with which he toils beneath the sun? For all his days are full of sorrow and his work is a vexation. Even in the night, his heart does not rest. This also is vanity. Okay? Some days, some seasons, some weeks in your life, some whole careers, you can say amen to Ecclesiastes chapter 2. That that's what it feels like sometimes. We long for it to be different than that, but that's often just the way that it is. It's also exhausting sometimes. That's the next point, verse 19. Work is exhausting. Verse 19 says, just the first part, by the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. So again, we get something out of it. We're going to eat bread, but we're going to do it by the sweat of our face. There's going to be some exhaustion, some, some, some expense to you because you're doing work. 
The work's going to come about. You're going to get something for it, but it's going to come by the sweat of your faith. Some of you might have this feeling like work never ends. Like even if I have a weekend or a day off, then I just have to do work at my home, right? And then I, like I'm working and I come home from work and guess what I'm thinking about? Work. And then I get a call and it's about work. And I'm always like, I just, it never ends. It's exhausting. When do I get to breathe? Right? And so work often feels quite exhausting. By the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread, God says to Adam. Each week during this series, we're going to hear just some testimonies from people in our church. And we put those on video um, so that, that uh, in case people aren't here, they can, they can still um, get the word out. And so I've gone around and kind of talked to different people, and there'll be different people featured each week. And Drew Jackson has put these videos together. Today we're going to hear two video testimonies um, from two different people about work sometimes being hard and painful and inefficient and exhausting. So um, let's go ahead and listen to two stories from people in our church. My name is Jess Peterson. I am a member of this church. My wife's name is Terry. And we've been married for 33 years, and we farm the whole time. I love my job farming, and my, my wife loves it too. There's parts of it that are a lot of fun, uh, but there's parts of it that can be really, really challenging too. Our most challenging time was probably 1984, 1985. Uh, interest rates were real high and we went to the bank and they was charging us 18% interest for our operating loan. Didn't really want to take us on as customers because our financial situation had deteriorated. We were forced to uh, go to the Farmers and Home Administration, which is a government subsidized program where you get subsidized interest rates. It was hard then. It was really, really hard. We was there for two or three years, and we kind of started to get our feet back on the ground a little bit and getting things kind of going, at least going in the right direction. We've been married probably four years in 1985, and I made some comment to Terry one day about, you know, it'd really be wonderful, it'd really be, be a blessing from God if we could just have two things happen. If you could become pregnant, so we could move on with that part of our life, because that's something that Terry and I both wanted. And the other one was if we could really have a good hog market, because we had a lot of livestock at the time, just to help us really start to dig out of this financial hole. And lo and behold, the Lord blessed us with both of those things. And the hog market got better in 1986. We had a fantastic year with that. And Terry became pregnant with our first child. She ended up being born in February of 1987. My name is David Coyne, and I managed the uh, co-op for Innovative Egg Services uh, at the Alderman Corporation. Drain trains are difficult because the railroad doesn't have a, have a whole lot of mercy. I mean, you, you got a certain amount of time you got to get it done. And, and we fight elements all the time, weather in the winter, you know, you fight snow in the wind, you fight the ice on top of cars trying to get the wheels open. And um, some of the cars they bring us aren't the best, so they're being difficult to work with. And, um, so, yeah, we've had a lot of a lot of challenges. One instance in particular, you know, 
kind of stuck with me. It happened about four years ago, and we were uh, coming in on a Friday morning to load a train, uh, we loaded corn, and it was a 110 car train. Normally, we can get a train loaded in about you know, 10, 11 hours, so we were thinking we'd be done you know, Friday night, we would have you know, a weekend as well. Well, the train didn't start off so well. We had some equipment issues. Uh, we had a grain issue. We had a whole bunch of cars. And it ended up turning into uh, much more than a 11, 10, 11 hour train. Uh, we started 6 a.m. Friday morning, and we ended up getting done at, at midnight on uh, Saturday night. And I got out of here about 1 a.m., so it was about 37 hours of, of being here uh, straight uh, working. So uh, it was a difficult day, uh, you know, but we, we got through it. I was thankful that I had coworkers that stuck with me and we got it done. We got it done before we had to pay any demerge on cars. And uh, it was, yeah, as hard as it was, and, and again, you know, with, with having the Memorial Day weekend, we were able to have our Sunday Monday off. So we still got a two-day weekend out of the deal and got compensated well for it. So it ended up being being okay, but yeah, it's very, very hard, very exhausting when you're working and you know you got to get something done. It's just amazing how your body can, can, can do it. You know, you just, you just got to, you know, you have to keep going, so you keep going. And then you just, you know, at the end, that's when you, when you crash, you know, but it, you can you can always get through it. So a couple of stories, you know, and, and one being about a season. So not just like, oh, this was a long day, but like a, a long season where it's kind of wondering that like, can we make it? Or is this is this going to work? Are we going to have to totally change everything in our lives? And then and then other days like the one Nate talked about. That's just uh, you know, did this is this day ever going to end? Well, that's not even that's more than a day. I mean, I'm like man, I had to work a double shift, 16 hours, 37. You ever done 37? That's a long shift. Um, so that Nate put in one day. And so there are times like that where it's just our work just seems overwhelming it's hard it's exhausting painful tiring inefficient nothing works like nate mentioned you gotta battle the weather all the time things like that and so um we know maybe not an experience exactly like one of those two but you probably could have told your own story as well but it's not just work that we see in genesis 3 i skipped a couple of verses but i want us to go back to it's not just work obviously that gets messed up by sin in fact it's Everything, everything gets affected by sin. Everything's messed up. We're messed up. Sin affects everything. Go ahead and look at verse 19, the second half. The first half we already read says, By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. But then it says, Till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. One of the effects of our sin is death. God told them that if they would eat of the fruit of that one tree, they would die. In Romans 6, 23, it says, The wages of sin is death. Death comes about. So, I mean, our work is certainly affected by sin, but it goes far deeper than that. That a death comes about because of sin. Ephesians 2 tells us that we are dead in our trespasses and sins making us children of God's wrath. That's what we're deserving of. Death comes about physically and also spiritually. Our sin separates us from God. Let's go ahead and look at verses 22 and 24. Or 22 through 24. Verse 22 says, Then the Lord God said, Behold, 
the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now, lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out from the garden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove the man out, and at the east of the garden of Eden he placed the cherubim in a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Adam and Eve get cast out of the garden, separated from this intimate fellowship with God that they had enjoyed. They walked with God in the cool of the evening uh, as they walked through the garden, and now they are separated from this place, cast out, separated from God. Spiritual and physical death come about because of sin. This is pretty grim. But I want to end with a little bit of hope because we don't even have to go any further in the Bible. We get a lot more as we go further in the Bible, but we see some glimpses of hope right here in Genesis chapter 3, which overall is a very dark chapter of Scripture. It talks about how sin affects everything, including our work, but we also see some glimpses of hope here in Genesis 3. I want to point out two of them. Verse 15. Verse 15 speaks of the fact that a head bruiser will come. Okay, verse 15 often referred to as the first proclamation of the gospel. Here's what it says. I will put enmity between you and the woman. This is, this is God talking to the serpent. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. This is going to unfold throughout the rest of the Old Testament and into the New Testament where it becomes very clear that Jesus who came be born of a virgin, the offspring of man, or the offspring of a woman, I guess particularly, Jesus comes to be born of a virgin, and he would be put to death, where Satan would think that he wins. He had bruised his heel. Satan would think as Jesus is put to death on the cross that he has won, but then Jesus would be raised from the dead, coming to bruise the head of Satan. So we got a glimpse of, of Jesus who is to come and bruise Satan's head. And then in verse 21, one more here in verse 21, Adam and Eve had been ashamed of their nakedness. Remember after they sinned, they realized now that they were naked and they were ashamed. They wanted to be covered up. God does something about their shame. Verse 21 says, The Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. God does something about their shame and nakedness. God comes and he puts an animal to death so that they might be covered, so that they might be covered with that animal's skin. This again points us at the shadow of what is going to become very clear in the New Testament as God sends his own son, Jesus, to be sacrificed, that, that our sin and our shame might be covered by the blood of Jesus, by his sacrifice for us. And as we go through the rest of Scripture, we find more and more reasons for hope. Most specifically, of course, we find our reason for hope in the midst of everything that was created good but now is broken. We find our hope in Jesus. That's where we turn. And the rest of Scripture will point us in that way. And so I'm looking forward to seeing, uh, even in the next week, as we focus specifically on work, how it is that 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 our work is somehow going to be 
redeemed. Our work certainly doesn't save us. We know that to be true, that nobody is saved by the work that they're able to accomplish. But God did intend for our work to have meaning, to have purpose. He did intend for us to find some joy in our work, that our work is a part of our worship in some way. So we're going to be exploring that more. We've kind of laid the groundwork now that we see that work is good. God created it, intended it for his glory. But work is also marred, messed up. It becomes hard because of sin. And so now in light of those two truths, we're going to go for the next five weeks looking at how do we then rightly respond to our work in a way that makes much of Jesus. And looking forward to doing that in the, in the coming weeks. Next week is uh, Mother's Day. Um, and so we're going to be focusing specifically on a woman's good work. We're going to do a man's good work kind of at the end of the series, but next week focusing on a woman's good work, looking at Proverbs 31 next week. Looking forward to that. We've got a couple uh, of testimonies uh, as well next week that I'm looking forward to seeing on video hearing from our church. Um, hopefully you'll be blessed and encouraged by those as well. 